And now, welcome to the Just the West podcast. Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome to the Just the West podcast. I'm your host, Just the West, and I am on the line with my co-host, coming from the uh, Niners-Chargers game on Sunday. T-up. T-up. Say what's up. Yo, what's up, J-Dub? It's uh, Monday night. Uh, just watched the game. Pretty good game. But, um, yeah, just coming back from uh, the game yesterday. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about it later. But, yeah. Yeah. Coverage from it. It was one hell of a week. Uh, maybe not so much in NFC Westland, but there were three overtime games, and you just saw this Patrick Mahomes game putting the team on its back at mile high, might I add. Um, but yeah, some really good football that I I thoroughly enjoyed. Uh, a couple of 400-yard passing games by, uh, uh, actually, even six touchdowns by Mitch Trubisky, five touchdowns by Jared Goff. Uh, yeah, man, I think that uh, defenses, and especially with these new rules, it's kind of seeing the uh the fruits of the labor in the nfl oh yeah for sure and um there's definitely uh, some twitter twitter action talking about uh, like the recent rule changes especially to protect the quarterback i don't know if you saw any of that on twitter uh, specifically uh what richard sherman uh retweeted were you able to see that yeah i did it was I think his tweet was in response to saying that, hey, Joe Montana's like career quarterback rating was right around 95. And he's just saying right now everyone's averaging right around the 90s anyways. Like all quarterbacks across the board are doing really well right now. Yeah. Yeah. And it's and that and, you know, just just put the, you know, that's what the league has come from now where you got to protect the quarterback and, you know, having – all these quarterbacks averaging Joe Montana-like numbers as far as QPR formula. Uh, I don't know if that's, that's a fair interpretation. Yeah, man. Um, shit. Rams 4-0. and We're going to talk about that game in a bit. They're rolling. Arguably the best team in the NFL. Seahawks 2-2. Two and two. Niners 1-3. and three. Cardinals winless 0-4. Uh, before we go ahead and get divulged about these week four games for the NFC West, anything top of mind? I mean, how was your experience in uh, San Diego land? Well, not even. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, not even San Diego. L.A. God. Chargers. Chargers. <laughs> L.A. Chargers. No Carson. Easily confused. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you can tell, but my voice is uh, is a little bit shot at the moment. There was a lot of screaming, um, sadness involved in the game at the same time. And myself, uh, a nice little tailgate with a couple buddies of mine. They, uh, they're growing up some uh, Korean barbecue. Oh. Um, a couple nice uh, adult beverages to wash it down. Of course. And uh, toss, the pig, toss the pigskin in the parking lot. So overall, good good experience. I, I had a good time. It was my first time at Stuff Hub Center, which is in uh, Carson. Yep. And um, yeah, no, it's... it's I don't know if any of the listeners have been there before or were actually at the game, but um, it's a very small stadium. It, it only holds, like, I think just about 30,000 um, in attendance. And it, it's really weird. If you ever see a pictures, it's like, it's just a single deck coliseum type seating. Huh. It's all, like, bench seating. It's not individual seating. And there's no, like, second level or anything. It's pretty much, um, like, really small. So whatever seat that you actually purchase it's actually 
pretty good view of the field. And, um, yeah, no, it was really good. Um, Chad right, right in the end zone, right actually where uh, Kittle scored the touchdown. So we were just going nuts at that time. Nice. But um, we'll talk about it a little later. There's just a lot of ups and downs in this game. Yeah, yeah, you got that right. So let's go ahead and get started with the first game that happened in the NFC West, which was a nice Thursday night football treat. Vikings at L.A. I was predicting more, well, I was predicting that the Vikings would come out with the win, considering that they're 1-1-1 going into this game. They lost to the Bills. I thought that they would, uh, especially with some of the injuries that the Rams had, um, that they would kind of catch them on the road. But Marcus Peters did play. Akeem Tlaib did not. And Jared Goff, I mean, he enjoyed another career sort of game. He had five touchdowns, uh, some really nice throws, um, a, a beautiful pass to Brandon Cooks in the end zone right before halftime. But Rams come ahead 30-31. to 31. It became a shootout second half. Kirk Cousins was trying to lead his team down the field to bring it to overtime, but... He was stripped on a forward pass, and the Rams recovered. To you up, I mean, what are your initial thoughts about this game? Is it safe to say that the Los Angeles Rams are the best team in the NFL? Or, I don't know, if we are four weeks into the season, 4-0, L- L.A. Rams. Uh, let me ask you this. Did you expect the L.A. Rams to be 4-0 after week four? Hmm... Vikings game, I thought, well, obviously, I thought the Vikings were going to win. I thought it would be a toss-up, but uh, to your points, they played the Cardinals, they played the Raiders, they played um, the Chargers, and now they played the Vikings. I thought that the Chargers game might might have been interesting, and I thought the Vikings game would have been the, the toughest game of the season, and to my point, it was. I was thinking along the lines of 3-1 and one, regardless, let's just say that. Ooh, 3-1. Okay, interesting. Well, on my board, I had I had Rams being 4-0. Um, you know, this is around the time the NFL where, well, obviously, bye weeks are happening and players who are coming off of suspension are being reinstated back into the league. And, you know, injuries are... De- the injury bug is catching every single team. There's no team that's going to be safe from the injury bug right now. So, I get... Uh, yeah, Rams are pretty good. Um... I watched that game fully on Thursday, and that was, I don't know, when I, when, I, when I was watching that game, I never really thought that Minnesota had a firm grip on the game. I always felt that, you know, the Rams were, were in the driver's seat, even though they were down it sometimes. Yeah, I think a big reason why you might have felt that way, because I, I felt that way at the same time, too, was, you know, regardless, Kirk Cousins was balling, don't get me wrong, he was doing his thing, but... Uh, Vikings, in comparison to the Rams, they didn't really have that much of a run game. I know that Dalvin Cook was limited. Uh, he's been dealing with a ha- hamstring injury. They didn't get much in the in the running department. Uh, but then conversely, you see uh, Todd Gurley doing Todd Gurley things, and I think that was a big difference in this game. Oh, yeah, for sure. And that's uh, fully aware of the Kirk Cousins, uh, how, how he just he. He did really well because in one league I have him, but in the other league I was playing against him and he diced up. <laughs> he scored like 43, 40, something ridiculous. 
And that's what I was predicting right. for this game. I was predicting that, hey, the Vikings, in light of the injuries to the secondary for the Rams, I mean, Marcus Peters, I was really surprised that he played. I thought he was doubtful. He looked really, he looked badly injured last week. Uh, but he, he made the start, and then they had, you know, Sam Shields, Nicky Roby Coleman step up. And, yeah, Cousins did his thing, but I thought that Jerry Goff, especially against this Minnesota Vikings defense, uh, was going to struggle. But maybe this Minnesota Vikings defense isn't the same. I don't know. It was just uh, I had never seen this Vikings defense so vulnerable. It was it was crazy. It was just crazy in my, in, in my eyes for the Vikings to allow 38 points. Yeah, I'm totally, I I totally agree with you. This this Minnesota defense has it has. Is it too early to say that Minnesota is the upset team of the season? I don't know. That's that's something that I definitely definitely worth a conversation at another time. But yeah, they're definitely they're they're underperforming based on their expectations. I'll say that. Keep in mind, by the way, fans, uh, the Miami Dolphins. They are three and one. The Vikings are one win, two losses, and one tie. So, I mean, that's an indication of how wonky things get in the NFL. So, there's still yeah, that's, uh, plenty of football left. <laughs> plenty of football, plenty of football. But, yeah. uh, you know, I just kind of wonder how, how, that, how that tie is going to come back to haunt Minnesota. Or it might come back to help them. I mean, I think it's going to... It might come down to haunt them because I thought they... For the context of it all, they played at Green Bay, uh, game-winning field goal. They missed it, and Green Bay had a chance. They missed it as well. That ended up with a tie. Um, I don't know. Just uh, just crazy stuff. Uh, anything else that you saw from this game that you really wanted to address or let the fans know about this game? I, I just... It was a really fun game, really entertaining Thursday night football game. This was yeah, good. Yeah, go ahead. Good job, NFL, for for putting together a, a watchable Thursday night football game. It's been a while. It's been a while. I mean, going back to the point about being a passing league. I mean, you saw this on full display. It was such. It was beautiful to watch. It was a big difference between the Jeff Fisher days and and now. To get Jared Goff to where he is from arguably the worst rookie quarterback in NFL history to, I mean, at least from a pro football perspective, he's he's playing at a 90-plus grade at an elite level, super efficient off of play action. He looks like a completely different quarterback from when he first got drafted out of Cal. And even Kirk Cousins, too. I mean, uh, the Vikings have always been kind of a run-first team, but, I mean, he's he's been everything... And then some for the money that he's paid. A fully guaranteed contract at that. But uh, right now they're kind of in a bind. One, one, and two. I don't know. Is it, let me ask you this. Is it too early to anoint Jared Goff as maybe the best quarterback in the NFL right now? Too early. That, that's for sure. Just because it sounds kind of weird. I know that Carson Wentz just came back from his... Injury, and he made a start against the Titans earlier this week. Going to make a case for Patrick Mahomes, who's been another pleasant surprise. Coming off, it's Monday night right now, just finished. Chiefs are 4-0. That was one hell of a game by Mahomes. Drew Brees is always in the mix. Uh, like I mentioned... Philly be- lost, though. 
Philly did lose. Philly did lose. But all I'm saying is, is it so easy to put golf as the best quarterback period right now since it's so early? I'd, I'd say either golf or Mahomes just because of the record, 4-0. I mean, that's that's... That's that, that makes sense, right? Either golf or Mahomes, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure, and you know when it comes down to the end of the season, and you know we're talking about MVP now. You know, obviously, the record of your team, whether they're going to make the playoffs or not, and the seeding is all going to be factors of, you know, how good the quarterback is. So, you know, I would say they're pretty neck and neck as far as you know, Mahomes, Goff. Uh, who else would you put in that category? <laughs> I think I think those are the only two quarterbacks that I would actually consider. Maybe maybe Kirk Cousins, but uh, no, their 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 record is not. It doesn't reflect. I was gonna say Drew Brees, but uh, he's coming off kind of a well. I mean, they won, but kind of a a, a lame game. He had zero touchdowns, yeah, I believe. Yeah. And, you know. Totally. Yeah. Uh, last thing I really want to say about this game, uh, more specifically, is yeah, man, Aaron Donald. He went into this game with zero sacks. He got two sacks. Two key sacks, might I added that. And that's another thing to really note because it was such a tight game throughout. And it was a shootout for the most part. But when the team really needed him and they paid him, they just paid him, he was able to deliver in the clutch. And whether it's Aaron Donald or Khalil Mack or Von Miller, I mean, that's why they are marquee players. That's why you pay him the big bucks. So. Yep. That's true. Yes, sir. Yes, true. sir. Anything, anything else to, to note about this game? Uh, no, not really. I mean, I, I think Rams are going to continue rolling. Um, good for Jared Goff, though. I, I was, he's, on, he's on a rival team. He, he did go to Marine Catholic, Bay Area kid, so I'm always rooting for him. Yeah. Obviously, when, when he plays the Niners, it's going to be a different story. But, you know, when, you know, when he's not playing the Niners, you know, I'll go ahead and... Uh, Little hoorah every now and then. Rolling you bears. Rolling you bears. Jared Goff, Cal Berkeley, doing it. Former number one pick. Yes, sir. Next game. Oh, yes, the one o'clock game. Niners, Chargers, like you mentioned before, went to StubHub Field, and Niners got off to a really hot start. Uh, Exum, safety, had a nice pick six. The first pick six by Phillip Rivers, I think, about like three years or so, it was it was some it was an interesting stat, but he was pick sixth the first drive he had, and then the Niners got another solid drive. Kendrick Bourne got the touchdown. You were right there in the red zone, and then things kind of went south, more so because of that Niners defense. Um, C.J. Beathard got his first starts for the season, went back and forth, but. Uh, second half, the defense allowed a ton of points, uh, and they lose twenty-seven to twenty-nine. They were ten and a half, eleven point favorites. Those Chargers, and so I don't necessarily want to say it was a moral victory, but I mean, Tiap, you were there in attendance. What was your initial take with this game? Uh, first off, uh, quick story about that the pick six. So we were waiting in line. To, to get inside the field and we were watching the game on the big screen that you could see from the gate and when that pick six happened it, it just went nuts in the line it was just straight 
I felt like I was at Levi Stadium. It was pretty cool. <laughs> so speaking about being at Levi Stadium, uh, that pick six, actually more so, you sent me that video when Bourne got the first touchdown, first offensive touchdown by C.J. Beathard. There was a angle where it just kind of panned around the crowd, and I saw just a sea of red. It was like 75% red Niners. Um, is that true? Oh, totally. I mean, you, you probably got you probably seen it on social media, but seeing it with their own two eyes is just it was a sight to see. It was so crazy just looking around. And uh, I was having to sitting next to us and season ticket holders, and they they were season ticket holders at um, at Qualcomm, and then they got season tickets obviously at StubHub, and they said, yeah, ever since they moved to StubHub, the, the attendance hasn't been um, even close to fifty percent. That's what she said. And that's kind of sad. But, you, yeah, it, it, was, it was just crazy. It was nine fans. And it, we, we heard the defense, defense, the defense chance. Where you look around, there's just nine fans standing up. It was just, it was, it was pretty much a nine of game. Man, that's crazy. Well, I'm surprised, but at the same time, I'm not. I thought it would be more like 60, 55%, but it was like an astounding, like, three quarters of the stadium. Um, oh, easy, easy. Oh, man. Oh, man. For sure. But, um, yeah, I mean, the game overall, it was just, uh, you know, we started out hot. We were 14, it was 14-0 in the first quarter. But, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll let you take take off the game notes, and then we can talk about it as we go. Yeah, so going back to how did they lose 27-29 to being up 14-0? Well, yeah, that defense gave up a ton of big plays. I mean, whether it was Keenan Allen, Tyra Williams on the outside, but more importantly, it was Melvin Gordon. And I don't know what's wrong with this front seven, this Niners front seven when it comes to tackling, but uh, I think he only had like 17 carries, but he had like 115 yards. He had like four receptions for 60 yards, Uh, a couple touchdowns. He was just, he killed them. Absolutely murdered them. More missed tackles. Same thing noting from the week before. Uh, Very frustrating to watch. And even more so than anything, uh, they were up. Yeah, they were up, what, 14-7 right before halftime with like a minute and a half left. And then they allowed Desmond King to pretty much have like a, what, 80, 85-yard kickoff return. Um, And they were able to get another field goal before before halftime. Put that all in into perspective. Second half, Chargers kept on rolling again. More big plays. It was just, uh, yeah, I think the Niners, I mean, defensively, they uh, they gave them away the game, and more so than anything. C.J. Beathard, I mean, if you're going to tell me he's going to have about 280 yards, 290 yards, touchdown, two picks, I wouldn't think it would be that bad, especially if they were able to put up 27 points, but it was just... Uh, Beathard didn't lose the game for them, let's just say that. Uh, there were a lot of other aspects about this game that really leaves you wanting more. Um, I just... Tee up, you saw the game firsthand. That's just what I saw from the TV, from the outside in. But you were right there, front and center in the red zone. So, I mean, what are your initial takes on that? Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean... CJ, he didn't, uh, I wouldn't say, I haven't watched the replay on TV yet, but I wouldn't say that he did anything that would, that compromised the team, 
I mean, he did everything he that you would want in a backup quarterback. All right, let's just establish that this, he's QB two. He is not Jimmy Garoppolo, but you know he had a couple defi- uh, pass deflections. Um, one of them, unfortunately, was pretty much the nail in the coffin when it was it was in the end zone. Yep, his second interception. Gar- Garrett Selig. Yep, and that just pretty much sealed the But um, yeah, I mean. The running game wasn't too strong this uh, this week, uh, banged up. But you know, Ted Taylor, he got a lot of his snap count was pretty high. I was happy to see him on the field a little bit more. Kendrick Bourne, um, Pierre Garçon, he, he was able to, he was able to get open and, and um, get his mitts on uh, on a couple passes. That was good too. But I mean, minus the pick six, you know, we were. Yeah, you know, we were right around there. Minus the pick six, we would only be down by nine points, which is it's two scores. But you know, the offense was was able to put up points. It's just our defense is just yeah, uh, it was just it, it was hard to watch. I think more so than anything, you're really starting to see. Well, I I don't even say their lack of their inability or their I don't know. Uh, their overconfidence in the offseason for, for them to not really address the pass rush position of an edge guy. They signed Jeremiah Atachu, Cassius Marsh. They were happy with Solomon Thomas and, and Ronald Blair. But between all of them, Atachu got cut, by the way. But between all of them, I think that uh, they got, like, what, one sack overall between that group. Uh, DeForest Buckner, he has three, three and a half. But I haven't really seen that much from the pass rush perspective. And if the cover three can't get to the quarterback, you're just sitting in your vanilla zone. And, yeah, Phillip Rivers just picked them apart slowly. There was that really nice... uh, There was that really, really nice pass down the seam. Fred Warner was in coverage. Uh, Austin... uh, What's his face? Austin Eckler... In the red zone, 22-yard touchdown reception. Mm-hmm. That was pretty gnarly. But, yeah, I mean, that's what happens when you don't get to the quarterback. And it's, uh, I don't know what they're going to do, per se, because it seemed like... Another interesting thing as well, you saw a lot of Greg Mabin. saw a lot of Jimmy Ward. They were kind of switching in and out with the killer with their spoon. What's your take on that uh, from what you saw? This secondary's been uh, kind of going, I mean, you know. Jimmy- yeah, Jimmy Ward, he he got he got picked apart pretty hard. Yeah, and I think one of them was for a touchdown, if I'm not mistaken, and the other one was like a third down conversion. Uh, it was like behind. I think was it Keenan Allen that caught the ball behind his back. Yeah, no, he kind of he came down with that gnarly catch. I was like, dude, and then uh, you know what? It was so funny when he made that catch. I was like, it's probably Ward. Lo and behold, it was Ward. Hands up! I was like, "Yeah, it's Ward." <laughs> oh, yeah, just stuff, uh, like, stuff like that really bugs me. And there, there was that that pass, the first touchdown uh, in the red zone to Antonio Gates off a of blown coverage. Oh man, that was he was wide open. That was in my end zone too. He was wide open. That was blown. Um, I mean, that's that's a product of zone coverage, though. Yeah. Titan is gonna find. He's gonna find the opening. Yeah. I that's, not- just, uh, that, that's what it is, you know? And uh, But, I mean, on the bright side, uh, DJ Reed, he, he played, um, he played in replace for, for Colbert, and I, I think he did exceptional. 
Um, other than obviously, uh, another dagger was when he fumbled the kickoff. Well, thank oh, God no. that was it, uh, was it a punt. It was a kickoff return, but thank God they overturned it because yeah, that that would have been really bad. He that stepped was, out of bounds. Yeah, he yeah. stepped out of bounds. That was bad. But I I thought Reed, I thought he did exceptional. Um, uh, Dante Exum, uh, I, I miss Tart. <laughs> he needs to be in the box. I think that's maybe one of the reasons why Melvin Gordon was able to just gash the Niners is because. You know, Exum is not a great tackler. I mean, yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. I think we're going to get uh, Tart back next week, though. So, I think it should be a little bit better, better especially against, uh, um, against AZ. Niners are 1-3. Like you said, they played the Cardinals at home. Thankfully, they're going back home. So let's go ahead and transition to the next game in the NFC West, or well, well the last game in the NFC West. But any any other final notes about this game in StubHub Field? Um, I appreciate how it's really close to my house. <laughs> it was quick in and out. <laughs> that's, that's right. Um, no, other than that, you know, I had a great time at the game and. We're going to be going to the game in a, in a couple of weeks, so maybe we could do maybe a, a live pod, maybe, at the tailgate. I don't know. For all those that don't know what he's talking about, me and T-Up, we got tickets, tickets to the game with the Andersons to Levi Stadium, Sunday Night Football, Niners, Rams. We paid a good... It wasn't cheap, let's just say that. This was before the Jimmy G injury. We paid a good amount of money to get these tickets, and then yeah. <laughs> hey, they're gonna be good seats. Yeah. So let's go, let's get it. Let's get it. Ah, damn. Okay. <laughs> All right. Next game: Seahawks at Arizona. Seahawks come out with the win, twenty to seventeen. But interestingly enough, Josh Rosen in his first start, he actually didn't do that bad. If you if you actually watched the game. The stats may say otherwise. He was 15 for 27 for 180 yards, one touchdown, and one interception. But it was actually, uh, I don't know how much per se, but I think that the Cardinals had like five or six drops. He had some really nice throws that were, where there was Chad Williams, even Larry Fitzgerald, David Johnson. There were a couple of balls that really got away from the receivers where I felt that the offense kind of let him down because he had some really nice throws. He looked really composed, in my opinion. And despite all that, despite playing the Seahawks and, you know, for his first divisional game, they should have won the game, actually. They marched down the field with about a minute, minute and a half left. And Phil Dawson was one for three from field goal land, and he missed another field goal. Seahawks, of course, in Seattle fashion, they drove down the field. And while Sebastian Janikowski was two for four, he made a second field goal for the win. And Seahawks, I mean, their offense offense wasn't that much better either. But they had a stronger running game. Mike Davis got 21 carries for 101 yards, two rushing touchdowns. Chris Carson was a really late game scratch. Kind of, well, it did fuck me over. I had Chris Carson in, in a couple leagues and I was ready to start him. And then he was a last-minute scratch. I thought Rashad Penny was going to get some more love, but that didn't really happen. Um, but that's just for fantasy football purposes. But um, 
yeah, the Seahawks had a really good, strong running game. They played well, um, well enough, I, I guess, to come away with the win. Um, but more importantly, uh, Earl Thomas, as I'm sure you guys know, he was holding out all of preseason for a contract because he wanted to get a long-term deal or, if not, get traded. And that didn't happen. Played this game. Stress fracture in his leg. He's out for the rest of the year. And he flipped the bird to the Seahawks sidelines. Tee up. Before we get into the game, let's just talk about that incident in particular. Obviously, we knew where he was coming from. He's still, you know, I think he was due $8 million this year. It's not like it was chump change, but... Uh, what say you about this situation, Tom? Man, that's... When I saw that, because obviously I, I couldn't watch the game. Uh, they were just showing showing the scores on the scoreboard. But, man, that just shows, like, I mean, everyone's been talking about it today. That's like, the exact reason why Le'Veon Bell's one down, you know, for situations like this. They, football players, especially running backs and skill position, you know, it's such a... Yeah, it just takes one play, and then money's gone. So I feel bad. Seahawks screwed him over pretty hard, hence the the, the bird. <laughs> but well, so yeah, that's just unfortunate. Especially injuries, uh, significant like a leg injury. Yeah. So I mean, check this out. Taking a step aside, I mean, if you're the Seahawks general manager. If you're John Schneider, a.k.a. Earl Thomas, he's going into his 30s. You already have him to a pretty decent deal right now. And technically, you made the right decision because if you had given him a longer-term contract, you'd be on the hook for his for his injury, which is kind of what he wanted. He wanted that stability. Are you pro-Earl or are you pro-Seahawks in this instance? Because technically, everything that the Seahawks were trying to avoid, they were able to accomplish that because they didn't want to be in that situation, like down in the hole with a long-term contract, with Earl Thomas entering his 30s, suffering an injury like this. Because now he's going to be a free agent and he's not going to command that sort of dollar anyways because of all the things that I just mentioned. Um, me personally, the listeners might disagree with this, but I'm always on the player side. Um, in the end of the day, as fans and as viewers, we're the consumers of the player's product. And they deserve, you know, there's circumstances, but yeah, they, they deserve to, to get every dollar that they can. Okay, that's different than every dollar that they deserve because, you know, there's going to be a difference in that. Yeah. <sighs> I am a bit against, I'm a bit on the fence on this. I, I realize it's a cold world and that you can't be too attached to your players. I mean, yeah, I mean, <sighs> I get both it's sides. Like those, it's yeah. weird. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, 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 go, go for it, go for it. It's just one of those weird situations where it just so happened to be. What are literally the chances of the player holding out suffers a leg injury two games into the season when he when he ends the holdout? 
The interesting thing about that is Le'Veon Bell remains a holdout. And he tweeted in response to Earl Thomas just saying that, hey, man, bro, like, have a safe recovery. I'll continue to be the bad guy for us, you know, us, us players, you know, looking out for our own, looking out for what's best for us as the players. That was an interesting thing to note that he tweeted out today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. Okay, but. Sure, uh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I think we're done with that topic. Outside of that, it was a really ugly game. Both defenses were on point because both offenses were kind of sputtering. Josh Rosen, like I mentioned before, he looked pretty good, man. I, I, I don't think that the numbers will support me in that claim, but if you, if you guys had watched the game, he had some really nice throws in the pocket, well-composed. Um, he took his share of, of licks. He got a couple hits. He had an interception early on in the game, but all in all, I, I think that this is a very promising start for the Cardinals. I think that, if anything... With him under center, the offense looked a lot better. So we'll see what happens with them. It was a game that they, honestly, uh, I think they lit away at home. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, uh, yeah. What do what do you think about the the Seahawks? Do you, do you consider them? Where do you see them falling now after this game? So did they te- move up your board. Did they move down? I think they move up by default, and just because they won. It's so crazy how this division has shifted after Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt. So the Rams are four and zero. They just beat the Vikings, which is arguably one of the better teams in the NFC, even though the record indicates otherwise. But it could have been a preview of things to come, like the NFC Championship game. You might see them playing for the Super Bowl. But the Rams, right now, they're 4-0. Both sides of the football, they look great. And, yeah, the Seahawks are second place. I think it's by default because I think that the Niners, honestly, at this point, especially if their defense continues to be this bad, yeah, they're looking like a 4-5 win team at this point. It's tough to say considering how many, um, yeah, I mean, their their goal was to, to make the playoffs, wild card at least. And for um, from that hemisphere all the way down to this, it's it's tough. And then, yeah, yeah. L- lastly, the, the Cardinals, they're winless, and the Josh Rosen era has officially begun a little earlier than I had foreseen. But it is what it is. I think that, if anything, you know, continue to grow around Rosen and let him go through his vices and go through his progressions, but that's kind of where they're at. So back to your point, yeah, Seahawks, I think that they have – Outside of Jerry Goff and the Rams, they have the best quarterback play, but everything else is kind of sputtering. So they get second, yeah, they get second best in the division if that makes any sort of consolation prize, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's um, yeah, we'll see, we'll see how it pans out. I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously the Rams are going to win the division. It's just how is that the last three going to fall into place? All right, we'll find out. All right, like I said before, it's just uh, that's how football goes, man. It's uh, it is what it is. It's what it is. Is uh, Rosen? Do you feel pretty good with him moving forward? Yeah, I 
I, I kid you not. Look at the tape. Look at the tape. He was composed enough for, for a rookie. He has kind of that uh, certain amount of swagger to him. I'm sure you guys know about that, even when he was in the UCLA as a Bruin. But he's got a, a kind of a, a quiet confidence to his game. You know, one of the more refined passers in this draft class. A lot of people said that he was kind of a, a plug-and-play uh, as a prospect coming from, you know, the Bruins pro-style offense. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think that you see enough traits in him where you can understand why they chose him as their first, you know, first-round pick or whatever. But there's a lot of things that remain to be desired. I think that, if anything... I think the offensive coordinator, Mike McCoy, still needs to figure out ways to get, I don't know, David Johnson the ball more in his hands, whether he's going to be a receiver or a runner. Larry Fitzgerald, he had like a couple catches more, which is great. Uh, Chad Williams, he had a touchdown, dropped a couple other ones as, as well. But you're just not seeing enough consistency from this offense to really feel good about it. So... We're a quarter way throughout the season. Let's see how this next half goes. Let's just say that. Because now we get a little bit of intrigue with the bye weeks coming up. And we have a better feel for pretty much all the teams in the NFL. For sure. Yeah, for sure. So outside of that, that's all I really have to say about week four. It was high flying. It was exciting. I enjoyed Sunday Ticket. It was pretty lit on my end. Are we talking about... uh on this one or that's going to be for the next podcast we'll do it for the next pod but I'll, I'll give you a little, little preview actually okay it's yeah re- give me something to think about it's really early ooh okay so the Niners like I mentioned before the Niners have a home game against the Cardinals they're 1-3 the Cardinals are winless 0-4 guess the spread just off the top don't even look at it uh okay I haven't looked at it I don't know. Niners minus two, minus one and a half. Okay, it's four and a half. Niners four and a half. Hmm. Okay. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah. Let me dive a little deeper into that one. Okay, and then you have ooh, divisional game, Rams at Seattle. Seattle's always tough at home. One o'clock game. Guess the spread for that one. Ooh. At Seattle. Rams 4 0. Seahawks 2 2. I'm going to go Rams minus 6. No, Rams minus 5. 7.5. 7.5 half. Half right now. Open. Whoa. Uh, I was way off on that one. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. <laughs> All right. we, we need to do, let's do a little fact check too. What is the highest? Uh, home dog spread in Seattle in, in within the past let's just say ever because that must be the highest uh, I gotta look it's gonna take some time but it's been a while well, I have since... an answer for the listeners alright we'll do it on the next one okay <laughs> alright <Jeez>. <laughs> alright guys well until next time I'm Just the West this is my my co-host T-Yup continue to follow us on the pod Twitter at Just the West Instagram at Just the West and my blog, www.justthewest.com. Until next time, we out here. Later.